One of the greatest misconceptions about God and about the church and about Christianity is this. When you believe God, when you have faith, all your problems disappear. Everyone starts being so much nicer to you. Everything works out in your life. You start losing weight for some miraculous reason, right? You suddenly get promoted. You suddenly, uh, you know, are just happy every morning. And as I said, it is one of the greatest misconceptions about the Christian faith. Anyone that's been Christian long enough will know that this is far from the truth. And even the Bible tells us that actually life with God is not necessarily an easy life. Now, we're in a series titled People of Faith. And we're looking at different characters that have exampled great faith. Abraham, who had the faith to obey God, to even sacrifice his one and only son. And God showed up and he saved him. David, a 15-year-old shepherd boy, defeats the warrior Goliath with a sling and a stone. Daniel, even in the face of death, exampled unwavering faith and was ultimately rescued from the den of lions. For each of these characters, they showed amazing faith and they were rescued and they were victorious. But the question is this. Is this all the time? Does this happen all the time? The passage that we're going to be in today is from that Hebrews 11 passage, which goes through the long list of people throughout the Old Testament and New that showed great faith in their lives. And their lives were changed because of their faith, because of what they believed. And what I want to do is I want to look at chapter 11. and We're going to see a different side to faith. Okay, Hebrews 11, 32 to 40. Okay, I'm going to read from 32 to 35. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jethapheth, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. And we pause there and we read this and it's pretty much the same pattern, right? Same story on story of people, leaders, Christians that exampled great faith, great belief, And they found victory. They found themselves doing amazing things, conquering kingdoms, administering justice, shutting the mouths of lions, quenching the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword. The list goes on and on. And we read these stories, and it would be safe for us to assume that when we have faith, it all works out. When we have faith, it all 
works out. It just works out for those that believe. But we keep reading verse 35. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskin and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And we suddenly think, wait a minute. This doesn't follow the formula. See, Everyone in Hebrews 11 is mentioned in there because of their great faith. But what do you mean that they suffered? What do you mean that they died? What do you mean they were tortured? There's two things that stand out that we need to understand about what it means to live a life of faith. Number one, faith does not necessarily mean a happily ever after. Look at the list. Jeers and flogging, death by stoning, sword in two, killed by the sword. This doesn't sound victorious at all. This doesn't sound like God delivered them. And yet these people are still mentioned in the great passage of faith. Faith does not mean a happily ever after. Secondly, faith does not mean a life of glory. The second thing that it mentions is that these people of faith, they weren't celebrities, they're not influencers, and they didn't have glamorous lives. It says they went about in sheepskin and goatskin, destitute. Now, I didn't know what the word destitute meant. Destitute means not just poor, but extremely poor. Persecuted, mistreated, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Faith, and sometimes I think we, we, maybe because of the world that we live in and maybe because of social media, it's gotten even worse. But, but sometimes we think, oh, you know, these, these Christians and, 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 and these Christian leaders look at their faith and look at their life. How amazing is it? You know, they, they're on these platforms and they, they're living these great lives and, and God is blessing them. And it's like, wait a minute, but... What about those that are poor? What about those that are suffering? What about those that are going through pain? Friends, faith, a life of faith does not necessarily mean a life of glory. See, this sounds so different to every story that we've heard. You know, where's the happy ending? Where's the angel that saved them? Where's the magical spiritual bread that came down from heaven? No. You know what they got? They got sword in two. Killed by the sword. Living in caves. Wandering in the desert. And some may say, well, that's a bit unfair. Why do some people, because of their faith, get saved from the den of lions and receive glory? And for others, because of the same faith, why do they get to die what we call a nameless death? Doesn't seem fair, right? But there are two clues in this passage that will help us to understand how faith operates and how God operates. Firstly, it's verse 35. 
Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that, listen, they might gain an even better resurrection. Right. Here's a question. Why would someone refuse to be released from torture? Right? Why would someone refuse to be released from pain and suffering? And verse 35 says, So they might gain an even better resurrection. It's because of what their faith says. It's because of what they believe. And we read in verse 39 and 40, These, all of them, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Why would people refuse to be released from pain and suffering? Because of their faith, because they believe that God has something better. So what's that better? The better is that only together with us would be made perfect. What does, that, what does our faith believe? Our faith believes that this life is not in isolation. Right? We talk about what we believe, right? We believe that this life is not the end. That when this life finishes, that life does not finish. That existence does not conclude. But this life is a season. It's a portion. Right? We believe that before the physical world was created, what's the physical world? Right? The physical world is the one that is ruled by the five senses. Sight, sound, hearing, taste, touch. Right? That's the physical world we live in. But you've got to understand... Right, not what I'm saying. What the Bible says is that the physical world is a created world. That actually, before the what we can see here, right, before the physical world was created, there was what we know as a spiritual world. Right? A spiritual realm that existed before the physical, and one day the physical world would end. That's the world we live in, right? We we talk about you know all the stuff that's happening in our in our world right now. One day, the physical world will come to an end. We will run out of oil. We will run out of energy. And, and one day, the physical world will end. But what we believe, our faith tells us, with what Scripture tells us, is that the spiritual world will continue on. Our faith, our, our faith tells us that when, when we die, our physical beings will end up in the ground, but our souls will continue. And depending on whether we have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Son, where our eternities end up will be different. This is what our faith believes. This is what our faith defines as, as to be truth. So, for these people who suffered and chose to be tortured even to the point of death, we think to ourselves, wow, that's such a horrible way to live and to die. 
And yet the reality is that for them, for their faith, it was better to die in this temporary life and hold fast to what they believe. Because when they die, because of what they believe, where do they end up? Everlasting life with God in heaven. Friends, the only reason why people gladly lay down their lives is because of what they believe. And what they believe from Scripture is that this life is not the end. But there is an eternity awaiting them. But can I tell you, the opposite is also true. The reason why we hold on to this life so much The reason why we are so obsessed with this life and the money that we earn and the comfort that we live and the food that we eat and the clothes that we wear, we are so obsessed with this temporary life. Do you know why? Because the reality is, our reality is not in heaven. That's theory for us. That's a, it might be there for us. But that's why we are so caught up on this life. We are so caught up on this life because our faith, our reality actually says that, mm, yeah, there may be a heaven out there, but you know what? I'm not 100% sure, so I'm just going to invest into this. That's why I don't want to go through pain and suffering. That's why I want to live a good life. That's why I want to live a comfortable life. That's why I don't want to live for me. I want to live for my future. Because you actually don't really believe that when you die, actually heaven is waiting for you. But friends, the Bible tells us of an eternal reality. The Bible tells us that this life is not it. Isaiah 40, 28, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were... Oh, that's not it. Go again. Psalm 90. I think there's a typo. No, that must be Psalm 90. Isaiah 40. Was that it? Do we have Isaiah 40 verse 28? New? Was that the same? Okay. That's a typo. My bad. That's a message telling me that it's a typo. (laughs) I I, I love when we talk about our present reality versus our eternal reality. Because it's not something that we really think about. It's something actually, it's very foreign to us, right? Like I, so I, I just moved house, right? And as you can imagine, moving with a family, a large family with young kids, it's like, you know, like the Bible talks about torture and persecution. Like that's exactly what it is, right? I, I was tortured and I was persecuted this week because of moving, right? And I, look, and, and I look at this house, and it's like, yeah, it's a big house, but like every tap's leaking, the toilet's leaking, the gate's like half broken, I'm looking at the gutter, 
and these trees are like going into the gutter and then like I can see them like slowly getting into the house and they're going to like take over my house, right? And you know what? Like our automatic is we need to work hard, we need to earn money so we can fix the house and have the greatest house so we can have a great life. And yet the realities in my faith and the scripture tells me that actually this life, this life is temporary at best. The best story, the best example that I can help you understand this is when we go to camp. When we go to camp, and by the way, if you have not signed up for camp, please sign up. If you cannot come for the whole time, please come for one, two of the days. Please don't miss out. But imagine when you go to camp, right? You call the removalists, you pack up your house, you take all the paintings off the wall, you, you pack up your bed, you, you, know, you disassemble your cupboards, you put your fridge in. Remember, imagine this, you're going to a three-day camp and you take, you, you, you literally, you pack up your house and you take it to the three-day camp, right? Because you want to have the most comfortable room at camp, right? Set up your table, set up your fridge, everything's there, right? For three days, Right? If anyone was to do that, you would think straight away there's something wrong with you. Why are you investing into, right? Why are you, in, why are you lifting up your whole life, your whole being into what? A three-day camp, right? Can I tell you, that's what I think God thinks about us when he looks at our lives on this planet. Right? If we think about the line of everlasting, right? And, and it's hard for us to understand because eternity is a concept we... we we get it, but we really don't get it, right? Eternity. How long is eternity? Well, there's no beginning and there's no end. So how long is our life, right? 70, 80, 90, 100 years, right? How long is our life on the spectrum of eternity? It is what? A dot? Not even. And yet, we, we are obsessed. We are absolutely obsessed with this life trying to make the most and trying to make the biggest and trying to make the greatest. I'm telling you, anyone who comes to camp and even brings a painting, you're like, what is wrong with you? We are here for three days. You then have to get rid of it. And yet I really believe that's how God sees us. But that's why we hold on to things in our life so much. That's why for us, we don't like to be, you know, we, we don't like persecution and suffering because we are so invested into this world. But it doesn't make sense because it's temporary. It's temporary. See, friends, our understanding of eternity, right, what we believe, our faith, and, and, and what we believe is to be the biblical definition of eternity, ultimately, it will, it will dictate the way you live your life. I want to show you a video of what it means to live for eternity. God... I don't want to die. Who will take my place if I do?
Jesus told his followers to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation, to every nation, to the ends of the earth. John Chow was a teenager when he took his first missions trip and when he felt called to invest his life to reach the people of North Sentinel Island, who had violently rejected all previous contact with outsiders. John answered that call. Here am I. Send me. For the next nine years, every decision John made was with an eye toward going ashore on North Sentinel Island. He served in multiple countries to gain missions and ministry experience. He trained in linguistics to help learn their language. He was certified as an EMT in the hope of serving the tribesmen medically. Once I said yes to Jesus, I was committed. I was all in. I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. I want my life to reflect obedience to Christ and to live in obedience to Him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He's worth everything. In 2018, with the backing of his missions agency, John went to North Sentinel Island. He knew the risks, but his passion for the North Sentinelese and his desire to be obedient to Christ drove him forward. Sitting in the boat, getting ready to go ashore, John penned a final note and a challenge to his family. You guys might think I'm crazy in all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. Rather, please live your lives in obedience to whatever he has called you to, and I'll see you again when you pass through the veil. The eternal lives of this tribe is at hand and I can't wait to see them around the throne of God, worshiping in their own language as Revelation 7, 9 to 10 states. I pray none of you love anything in this world more than Jesus Christ. Within hours of writing those words, John Chow was killed by the Islanders. John believed that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience, and he would be obedient to God's call, no matter the cost. Who will pay the price to go to every tribe? The thing that struck me most about this story, and if you've been around the church, you, you hear of stories of people who, because of their faith, ended up dying. And a lot of times when we hear these stories, we, we hear them as historical stories, things that happened in the first century, things that happened in the you know, uh, early Catholic church, things that happened you know, 500 years ago. Um, that happened in 2018. That's five years ago. And the second thing that really struck me about this was um, the age of John. Um, and and you, you would have only seen it right at the end of the video. But John was born in 1991, right? 
And I worked out that's eight years younger than me. So he's, he was 32, right, when he died. The thing is this, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands of stories like this. People who showed extraordinary faith but didn't lead to necessarily victory or riches or glory, but lived a simple life and died. Lived a nameless, a faceless life and died. No glory, no riches, no fame. Why would they do that? Right? Why would they choose that type of life? And it's at the end, it comes down to what they believe. What their faith says. Uh, Pastor James, who's not here with us because he's preaching um, at another church. Um, I don't know if you know much about Pastor James, and I can talk about it because uh, he's not here. (laughs) You know, Pastor James has been at this church since the beginning, but before he was Pastor James, he was just James. And uh, just James... Um, used to work in IT, and he used to work for a little company called Uber. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, James was competent, well-liked, and had an amazing future um, in that company, and he also earns pretty decent money as well. What makes a guy like him quit his job, quit his career, take a massive pay cut, take a You know, to, to take away that sense of security and become a full-time pastor at the church. It was his faith. The mission team that just came back from Cambodia, they all had to take time off work. You know, if you only get four weeks of holidays in, in, in the year, they had to take some of that time off. Not only that, they had to pay their own money to fly over there. They had to sacrifice the comfort of their own beds. Why? Why would you go to Cambodia and serve and and, and do everything that they did? What what makes them do that? It's their faith. The church, supporting the the mission team and the missionary work in Cambodia, we raised $32,000 in three weeks. I can tell you, every single one of us can work out. If if someone gave you $32,000, you could do something with that, right? But why would we collect that and why would we send that over to Cambodia to support kids that we don't even know? To make ourselves feel good? No. It's because of our faith. But friends, it's that same faith that we believe that is based on the fact that this life is temporary. That this world is temporary, but our home is not here, but is in heaven. That the better awaits for us with God. 2 Corinthians verse 1 to 8. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. 
For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Our time on earth is temporary. Literally, the Apostle Paul uses the word tent. You've got to understand, right? There is a big difference between the earthly tent we live in and the heavenly house or the heavenly home that we will end up in. This comes as, when you read this, this should come as one of the greatest comforts for you as a believer. You know why? Because as much as we think, you know, and, and we are blessed, right? We are so blessed. We live in Sydney. We live in the greatest city in the world. You know, sorry to everyone online. We live in, you know, we, we do. We are so blessed. And yet, if you really think about your life and if you think about the people around us and if you think about us as a human race globally, are we doing well? We're not. Our surroundings are full of illness and sickness, disease. Our world is filled with war. There is so much brokenness inside of us and globally. Do we live in paradise? Far from it. And you might think to yourself, you know what? It's people. People are the problem. And I'm telling you, you can go anywhere in the world. The problem will be there because you're there. This is a temporary tent. And this is why I say, actually, this should be the greatest comfort to us. Right? Like, sort of my fault, but not really my fault, right? I haven't had like seven hours of sleep uninterrupted in like 16 years, right? I'm so tired. I'm always tired, right? Always tired, right? You know what? You know what comforts me? Is that when I get to heaven... My kids will not wake me up. <laughs> you know? You know what comforts me? When I get to heaven, my lower back pain will disappear. When I get to heaven, that six-pack that exists somewhere in this area, it's there. Where there will be no pain where there will be no suffering. Friends, we need to ask ourselves, why are we so invested into this temporary tent? And it's because it's, it's the lack of reality of our faith, of the eternal. 
I had a thought. If God did not stop Abraham from sacrificing his one and only son, would we say that God's faithfulness was not there? If David did not defeat Goliath, right? Little David gets out there with the sling and, the, and Goliath's like, uh, and then like, you know, and then kills David, right? Like, you know, complete opposite, right? It, you know, would we say that David wasted his life? If, if Daniel, when he was lowered into the den of lions and the, the lions were like, sweet, I gotcha, and that was it, and Daniel died, would we think that it was a shame? Actually, even in those situations, even if it didn't work out, because of our faith, we would believe that each of these people would be with God because of their faith. And because of what we believe, we would believe that that is even better. Friends, if your faith leads you to live a life that walks with God, but because of that, you are persecuted, you are ridiculed, you are poor, you are living in not comfort, but in poverty, take comfort because your suffering will come to an end. Because of your faith and your eternity will be with God. Philippians 3.20 reads this, but our citizenship is in heaven. The happily ever after may not come in this life, but by faith it will be there for you in eternity. Let's pray.